Hi, welcome to this edition of the Passion and Purpose Podcast with myself, Louis Giglio. I'm so glad that you're joining us for our season 1.5. This is our season under the banner, Back to the Bends. And as we're recording today, we're 16 days away from Passion 2022 in Atlanta, Georgia, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We're going to talk today about how to do a stadium event. I mean, that question in and of itself seems kind of crazy. And if you're interested in how all this comes together, you're going to love this conversation. I'm joined by some amazing people today. Uh, Brad Jones, who's a location pastor here in Atlanta, Georgia, Passion City Church, joined our team, by the way, on our world tour back in 2008. Yeah. And here we are still together. Still um, rolling. The lovely Shelly Giglio, who is our chief strategist of all the things we do um, in our organization period. And she is... Um, smartest person I know. Wow, that's just a compliment. Thank you so much. It's so happy to have you in this conversation today. Uh, The brains behind it all, Jonathan Sheehan, he is our global brain manager, which sounds kind of corporate, but it just means he's helping us as passion figure out how to impact people everywhere on planet Earth in the greatest way we can with the story of the gospel for the glory of God. And Jonathan heads up our passion uh, team along with a lot of other things in our organization. And then the one who makes it all happen, Misty Page, who is our Passion Conferences Director and leads our Passion Conferences team. So great having all of you guys in the conversation today. I'm excited. So glad to be here. Glad to be here. You know, the title of this thing is a little intimidating. How do you do a stadium event? That's a, a little bit of a crazy. <laughs> I wish I had this podcast to listen to a few years ago. Same details, please. <laughs> so um, I, I think maybe starting out today, it would be good to say um, the best advice I think I can give to anyone wanting to do a stadium event is don't start by doing a stadium <laughs> event. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, we're way down the road at Passion, and I think people assume, oh, Passion, you know, they just put a website up and (coughs) tens of thousands of people show up somewhere, Mm -hmm. but it's really been a long ride. And the first event we did had 2,200 people at it, which still is a pretty decent-sized gathering, but um, it takes a long time to build that momentum and every now and then, God will do that in a short period of time, and He'll just do something in a stadium full of people show up. But not normally does it work that way. Yeah, it's crazy that um, that we're sitting here 16 days away from the bins and seeing what God's done. Uh, not a big surprise to us because we've seen God do a lot of different things, but it's always encouraging whenever you see God come through with something um, that we're just days away from. And we're not waiting for... Uh, to see God come through at Passion, we've actually already seen God come through a lot on the way to the bins. So it's going to be special. I love um, thinking about the bins, that um, God wrote that history a long time before we're living it. And when I think about things that seem really hard and challenging, and I think the bins could easily fit in that category of we're going to put on an event that A, is going to be meaningful to God, not just to the people who attend, but to God, that He's going to actually receive something out of what what effort we've put into bringing yeah. this about. But to think that God had scripted this moment before history was history, that He had decided that we would gather not just people, but certain people that He sent to this moment to be a part of this moment, would gather together for the glory of His name. I, I just can't help but think as we're standing in these moments— 
that are pre-scripted, that are pre-decided and predetermined, that we are, and you say this well all the time, Larry, that we are not just inviting God to come and show up at some event that we've planned and worked hard for, but that we're standing in something that He has planned to That's invite great. us to, that He actually invited us, that we didn't invite Him or beg Him to come and show up, please do something powerful here. You know, like all Christian people at the end of their prayer, they say, and God, please be with us. And I just feel like it's like God is just upending my thinking today by saying, look, mm. I planned this thing long before you were even yeah. alive, yeah. and I've invited you to something that I'm doing on planet Earth, and I would love for you to show up for the thing that I've invited you to. And man, when you walk in the bins with that in your heart, there's no way it cannot be the most phenomenal thing you've ever been in. The- well, I have uh, like 10 questions right now, so I need to get them <laughs> yeah. all out, and then we got to come back to them later. But A, because you're getting into theology right now, yeah. and we're going to talk about that for a minute. <clears throat> B, uh, how how would somebody know whether God had invited them into their event or not? How, how do they know whether, hey, I've decided I'm going to do this event? Or God has decided that He's going to do this event because that's what I want to know right now. If you're saying God invited you, yeah, how do you know God invited you versus we just came up with an idea that we're going to do a new event? It's going to be called X, Y, and Z, and that's how we're going to get there. And I think that's a a big question that I have. Um, you know, fortunately, we we have this sense that. We didn't come up with passion. Right. So people say, tell me about how passion started. I'm like, I was on a plane and I had a vision. And then we tried to figure out what the vision was. And that led us into passion. We did not sit in a room and go, you know what? Let's come up with a conference and let's call it passion. And let's this, that, and the other. God just, you know, like pulled us into this thing. But I have met a lot of people and had a lot of conversations, as we all have in the last 10 years, 15 years, of people saying, hey, we have a vision. And we're going to do a thing, and sometimes you can tell right away, I don't know whether that's a real good <laughs> idea or not. So how would somebody know uh, whether their idea to do an event, whether it's in a stadium or an arena or on their campus or in their city, is a God idea? Well, I think that's a great question to ask because I think there's this pressure to have events, and you think if we're going to do something in life, we need to have a bunch of people at something, and I don't think that's God's assignment on every single person. And so for us at Passion, we do try to remember it's a stewardship that we've seen God give us over time. And even being in the bins this year, it wasn't like a strategic plan over the last five years. We didn't even think we could be in the bins because of the NFL schedule until, what, May? Yeah. We found that out. And so— I think for what I've seen, it feels like there's wind. There's people that come behind it that are sent by God. There's fruit that comes from the early days in the 97, 98. And all of a sudden, people are like, God is in this. And so as we've put one step in front of the other, I think it's just been confirmed. Doesn't mean every door's been opened. Doors have been closed. But I think it's been clear to us, this isn't our doing. This isn't man's doing. It's God's doing. Yeah, I'll say I'm going to go to the practical side here. When we set out to do Passion 2020, uh, you know, back then, that was a super intimidating thing for me to do a stadium event. So how do you do a stadium event? I don't know. You figure it out as you go forward because you don't really know before you do it. But this year, I mean, that that Can you was, Google that somewhere? Yes, how, how that's do, how I've got how many pages notes for how to do <laughs> Again, a Again, this would be a helpful event. website to have. <laughs> I would love to have had those, Misty. Um, but uh, <clears throat> it was super intimidating, and then we did it. And so then going back this time has been 
excited. I'm been super excited to go back, but this time there's been some really big things that have had to come together in a very short amount of time. And just last Friday, I was sitting in our conference room working on big things and they just started clicking and coming together one after the other. I was like, I said to Jonathan, I'm like, this is like my miracle Friday because I needed this and I needed this and I needed this and that's happening. And that doesn't always happen that way. But for me, that was really encouraging. Uh, it was a really encouraging day for me last week. Yeah, so. I, can't, I can't think of a lot of those right this second. Um, but every time we've headed towards a gathering, we have seen that. And we've all we look for it, we pray for it, and we're um, alert to it. That we want to see the miracle before we get to the yeah. mm-hmm. event, because it allows us to know what you're saying, Brad. That there's wind in our sail, and rowing to the bends. Not that's, that interested. Is, that's, that's not going to work. Absolutely not interested. Um, we would blow. never make it to the bend. We, we would we make rowing. it very well, so I can't even row. Like I'm, I'm like I'm out on a but, rowing. But blowing to the bends. Come on. Uh, it doesn't mean we work less. It just means that there there are signs along the way. Oh, we're with the Lord. Yeah. And um, that's one of the things that you were saying, Shelley. It's it's different than just saying, Lord, will you come be with us? It, us gathering. Can you imagine gathering in the green room or the guest lounge or whatever backstage at the bins before the opening session and praying, Lord, please be with us. I mean, it's like <laughs> we already idea. have teed up <laughs> yeah, yeah. a very large uh, um, portion of our lives, and uh, we need to know before we get there. And so I think if you're listening to this and you're in the event space or thinking about it, um, some things that, that come to mind for me all the way back to the beginning— we talked to a lot of people before we did the first Passion Conference. And we weren't saying uh, necessarily, do you think we should do a conference? We were just saying, we have a vision. And people were buying into that vision massively. And we weren't asking for money. We weren't asking for influence. We weren't asking for people to take a job. We were just sharing a vision. And people were like, I have had that vision I've had that sense. I feel I feel the same thing you feel. We we have also felt the Lord putting that in our heart. We just don't have the time, the energy, or the resource to pull it off. And so if you're getting big buy-in at the vision stage, that's a good sign. And then always make sure you're asking people, um, what do you think? And you're giving them the chance to say, I don't think this is the right time, or I don't think you should start in that building, or I don't think you should do it in May, or um, getting 15 of the biggest named people on the planet doesn't ensure that you're going to have a successful event, or you know, on down the list, and, and, and just say to people, be honest with me. Be honest with me because I feel, I mean, I've seen it a few times where people have said, I have a vision, I have a vision, I have a vision. I'm not letting go of the vision. They said it all the way up to the moment that the event started and there were no people there. And so it is a tension. You do want to be faith-filled, but you also have the opportunity to ask people around you to speak into um, what you're trying to do. And if you ask people honestly, I think you'll get the right answers that you need. I don't want to take over, but how did you even back in 97 figure out the size of room that y'all needed for something brand new? Because we've had history now at Passion. We kind of have an idea, but starting from scratch, like how did you even know that? Well, you know, Shelly and I were leading worship at an event called, um, I think it was called Mission 95. 
and it was a collegiate event put on, on by- Let's just call out, you and Shelly were leading worship. <laughs> you say right. that. You pass by it all the time. This is, people, a, this is passing information that does not need to be considered This at might all. deserve a, a special no. episode. Might be bring it back. Bring it Season 1.8. Everybody just let it go. Yeah, yeah so Shelly and I used to be part of a worship team. Uh, to be more specific, and our worship team was leading worship at Mission 95 in Louisville, Kentucky. There were about 5,000 college students there. It's put on by the International Mission Board, and um, I don't know if the, that event actually happens in that configuration anymore. And so, honestly, the vision for Passion um, and that event were happening in the same space. And so that's kind of what we saw as a starting point. We it was a convention, flat floor, chairs on the floor, you know, not a really great arena setup, not super cool feeling. And it was in 1995, and there weren't too many super cool uh, Christian conferences happening in 1995 in terms of aesthetics. Um, so we knew Texas because we had been in Texas for ten years at Baylor University, um, and we looked around. Central Texas and the Austin Convention Center seemed like uh, the best option. And Austin wanted to host us. Uh, their Convention Center Bureau uh, rolled out the red carpet, said, we'd like to have this event, and here's our building. And we're like, okay, here's the convention rooms. And the size of this one looks like it could hold somewhere between one and 5,000 people. And that seems like a good starting point. And then we just took a step. And, you know, we went and talked to campus leaders. Um, we'd already started uh, with our vision with about a dozen campus leaders who, who went away for a retreat, came up with a 268 declaration. Again, buy-in. We all agree. We all think this is a good step, not just Louis, Shelley, but all of us. And then I started going around to all the campus ministries that I'd spoken at for the last 10 years of my life. And I'd go to Kansas and go to Oklahoma and call a guy in Iowa, say, hey, if we did this event, would you guys be interested in coming? Uh, yeah, we'd come. We'd probably bring 50 students. And so in our mind, it was all relational. And we kind of added it all up to maybe, I don't know, maybe 1,000 or 2,000 people will show up. And we won't know till we get there because this is before the internet. It's before mobile phones. It's before social media. So you don't know people are coming until they walk through the door. And in some cases, and so that's how we started there. And the next year, we, you know, kind of expanded and put more chairs in that space to five thousand. And then we realized, okay, we're out of space in the Austin Convention Center, so we have to move somewhere else. And we found an arena in Fort Worth that held eleven thousand. And in the next year, forty thousand people came to one day, and it's still like that even to this day. You know, you're not really sure. It's not a, a formula. There's not a an equation. It's a and gut feeling. And can I feeling. just say, too, <laughs> I, I think faith is not related to size. Mm-hmm. So, so for some people, to have an act of faith is very small in what we consider to be yeah, that's event great. space. Mm-hmm. Because faith isn't related to the size of the event that you're trying to fill. Faith is related to what is required internally for you to have a fear of God, an understanding that He is sovereign and in control, a desire to be obedient to him, a desire to show up with open hands and an open heart to say, I'm here to serve you and the people that you love. And so I'm here at your service, God. And I think if that's in your heart, that faith can 
be so small that it could lead you to a grocery store to have a conversation with a person. It's not about you filling arenas and how much faith you have that's required for an arena to be full. And so I think sometimes in Christianity, we get things confused. We think somehow that faith has to be large for arenas to be full. And when God's saying, you can have huge amounts of faith to do really small things, but if those things are done in love and obedience, that's the same thing that I was asking of the people who filled the arena. So So let's not mistake those things, and I think it will help us take right-sized steps at the right time with a faithful God who's always going to deliver. Yeah, I think, you know, too, though, that biblical principle, he who's faithful with little will be trusted with much, that's just a life hack. Um, and most things don't start grand. Mm-hmm. They start granular. Yeah. And to do events, I think um, that's, the, that's the key, is to start where you are with the people who are right in front of you, loving them, serving them, ministering to them. And if God chooses to breathe on that, then awesome. Uh, but he doesn't give the same horsepower to every single thing. And so some got two talents and some got five talents. And, you know, that's up to God, uh, how things grow and how far they go. For us, it's to say, I want to be faithful with what God's put in my hands. And thank you, Jesus, for that, because some of the things that we need faith for now, we that was a different story 10 years ago. <laughs> and so, I mean, in answer to the question about how do we know that we're with God, even when we look at doing Passion 2022, there's some things that add up, and there's some things that just, when you look at them, they don't add up, and we need God to come through, like, and have seen Him come through. Um, but would we have been able to trust God the same way, maybe, on, on things of this scale, and would it have been wise for us to, to take this step, you know, 10 years ago as opposed to now? I mean, even whenever we decided to have Passion 2022 on six months versus something we've been planning for a year and a half, a couple years ago, like that's a pretty big jump to have. And thankfully, God had already taken us through the bins once. Missy had already done a stadium event. Our team had already done that. And so right. whenever we're looking at this, yes, we need to trust God, but we're we're also not taking something that is feels completely and utterly irresponsible on every level. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, I'm just coming back to this idea because um, Shelly kind of got us off on theology for a minute and I'm said so it was sorry, predestined. <laughs> what we're about to do is predestined, predetermined. Um, and people ask this. They get stuck in this all the time, Brad. You're a pastor. Um, they say, well, if God has already predestined something, which I believe in the Bible, it says many, 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 many places He's predestined things and us. Um so why share the gospel if God's already decided who's going to get saved? That's always that you know kind of tension. And why work so hard for passion if God has already decided <laughs> what's going to happen at the bins? Why are we all working so hard today if God's already written this story before there was ever history? Um, I think that's a good question uh, to kind of solve right here and well, right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole lot of pressure no on my first pressure. time on the- Passion and Purpose podcast. I mean, I do think you said it in your talk a couple weeks ago. Like, let's not get so distracted by the conversation uh, if we're never going to be able to figure it out anyway. Like, we don't have the brain and the capacity to understand fully God's sovereignty, and we don't want to be able to because that means we're on His level, and we don't want a God that we're on His level. And so, I say, let's. I agree with you, Louis. Let's not get so caught up in the conversation that we miss the chance to just put our hands to something that's going to be used forever by God and give it all we got 
and know that God's going to use that somehow in his economy to change people's lives forever. Yeah, God already knows what's going to happen, but then he's saying that Jesus' last words to the to his followers are the last, what we call the Great Commission, go into the, all the world, preach the gospel. So there's your answer as to why do I need to share the gospel with my neighbor <laughs> uh, if Jesus already knows, you know, what's going to happen. It's like because Jesus asked you to go and share the gospel with your neighbor, yeah. and that's all we need. It's the best news on earth, and we're going to share it with everybody in our path, and then God, through the Holy Spirit, gets to decide how everything works after that. And it's the same with this. I believe God knows every moment in the bins, but He's put it in our hands mm-hmm. to say, you're going to be the ones I'm going to use to set everything in motion to make that moment happen. It's going to happen, but I'm going to use you to make it happen. It is a little bit of a... And how lucky are we that we get to be part of that moment and see students' lives change and hear these stories and like, yeah, maybe... God knows we not maybe we know that God knows what's going to happen, but we get to be there, and that's a gift He's given to us because it didn't have to be us getting to be part of those moments and see lives change like they do. It's not easy what we're doing. Um, I I'd, I'd like to say that a hundred times on this podcast episode. What we're doing is not easy. And um, someone said to me a few years ago, and I think they were kidding, but I'm not really 100% sure they said, oh, Passion, you just like put up a uh, a website and people show up. And I just was like, oh, my <laughs> word, you have no idea how hard we work. And I think once people get into the event space and anybody listening to this that's in that zone, you get it. You're like, oh, my goodness, it is hard to get people in a room uh, no matter what you're doing and especially in this climate that we're in right now. But talk about what it's like to to be carrying something that you know God is going to miraculously show up at, because we've seen Him do that, and Mm -hmm. we've already seen Him do that in the process of getting to the bins, and we're not even there yet. But yet it's, it's a lot to carry. And how do you hold both the confidence that God's going to come through and the sense that I'm going to have to put a lot into this to see it become a reality? How do you live with that? tension and live with that balance? I, uh, well, I'll just say like coming out of uh, no events for a year and a half starting, it just felt like we were starting up from like a cold engine. And so it's kind of like I had to remember like, how do I even do this? And so I've kind of been walking through this again, almost for the first time, it feels like. And so, but um, it, you know, it's, it's motivating to know that God has this. So when it's, it is long days and we're in this last 16 days, it's long days right now. There's a lot of details that are coming together, but it's so worth it. And it's exciting for me to be like, I can't wait to see what happens. And so every detail that our team thinks about is um, important. And so for me, that's what drives me and just keeps me going and keeps me motivated in those long hours. Um, I don't know. It's, it's such a balance of knowing that God has this, but we have to put in the work and um, just, I don't know, it's like you know you're going to get to that moment. My team is very new this year. We're starting with a brand new team and I can't wait for them to see what the fruit is of what they're putting in and watching them kind of go through this for the first time. So uh, that's not a really clear answer. It's just, it's great to be in the middle of that tension and one side kind of feeds the other. Yeah, it feels like without faith, um, you have just work. 
and work is awesome. And I think we were put on earth to work. I personally feel like Jesus speaks so much about rest because he's inferring that before you rested, you did something. Okay. Shelly bringing the deep, like, okay, I mean, the whole world wants to rest. (laughs) Everybody's looking for their day off, but nobody's put anything in to be worthy of the moment of rest. And it's why rest doesn't really work with us because a lot of us haven't done any of the work before we got to the rest. We just wanted to jump the work and go to the rest. And so that's that's a sermon for another day. But I do feel like... No, I think we got it today. <laughs> yeah, that's a great I, right here, right now. I feel like what God's asking of us related to passion is to carry the work in our hearts as closely as we carry the faith and the confidence mm-hmm. that He's going to yeah. do what He promised. And that our stewardship is not just of the faith. That's great. It's not just yeah. of saying, I believe you'll come through, God, because you call yourself faithful. So there's never a time that you haven't come through. It might not always be the way I thought you were going to come through. And sometimes I'm disappointed by the way you came through because I thought maybe you were going to do something different than that. But you have proved yourself faithful. You call yourself that and you are faithful day in, day out, never changing, never with variance where, oh my gosh, it's going to be shaky today. So that's who you are, God. I know that. And I'm carrying that in my heart. But at the same time I'm carrying that, I'm carrying the the effect of my life and understanding that I have a stewardship of a very short season of time here on earth to do something that matters. And so I get I get to have an opportunity to lean towards something with my heart, with my mind, with my energy that matters. And I'm leaning as much in that work toward that faith as I possibly can. I'm all the while believing God is going to be faithful and coming through but knowing that he's invited me to put my hand to the plow. And I just feel like for so many people, it's like I either have faith or I'm just a worker and I'm a worker and I'm just, I'm a worker bee in the kingdom of God. And I just do all the work. And I'm like, no, I think it's both. I think God is going to be faithful and our faith in the fact that God is going to be faithful is important, but putting our hand to something that matters every day that isn't going to be easy. He doesn't describe it as easy. There's nothing in the Bible that says what we're doing is easy. It says what we're doing is worth it, and worth it and easy are not the same thing, and we need to help clarify for ourselves so that we can wake up every day and put our hand to something that is worth it. And Scripture says work Unto God and not unto man. Unto yeah. man, and I. This is me personally. Like I feel like um, being on this team is such a special thing, and what we get to carry is very special. And so I'm like, why would I not put my full effort and give everything I can, lay it all on the field to give God all that He can work with, knowing that we've given everything we've got. You know, we just and just put, to say this again, yeah. this isn't ministry related conversation. This is Jesus following related information. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing accounting today, you have the same opportunity that we have doing events for passion or leading a record label or coming and serving a church. You as a archaeologist can do what your work is to the glory of God as much as I can do what I'm doing for the glory of God. There is no dissection between well, yours is kingdom-related activity, and so you can work as though it matters, where I have to just Mm -hmm. go to work every day and it doesn't. No, your work matters too. Your school matters too. What you're doing today in class and the way you're showing up and serving people and loving people and doing the best of your ability is what God is asking for today, and it's not different when you get in ministry. That's a prophetic word. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm 63 years old. I've heard a lot of people reference, you know, you might be a lawyer, you might be a molecular biologist, you might be a school teacher, you might be yeah. a mom, or a, you might be raising a family. Never heard anyone mention an archaeologist <laughs> before. That, if you're that listening, is a word so for you're, somebody. You're out there right now. It's a word from God for you as you're using that. that little brush and moving that little dust <laughs> Amen. today. Let's that is go, for God's glory, can be for his fame. Amen. Use your platform and your archaeology tools. I love it. We In were the, talking about this other day with our marketing team, the same thing. Not archaeology, uh, but hard work <laughs> and getting to the bins. And we just said, hey, we're not going to leave anything on the table. If there's one thing we can do that can get one student to passion, then we're going to do it. And if we do everything that we can possibly do, then we're leaving all of the results up to God because it doesn't matter how many emails you send or how many campuses you go to or how many Zooms you do or Instagram ads. You can't actually make someone register. But if we do everything we can, then we can come to the bins and be totally happy with the result Mm -hmm. because we know that we haven't left anything on the table. And that's part of our journey personally of going, hey, I'm going to sacrifice to get here. We're going to do whatever we can. Yeah, I think that's a good, uh, you go. I was just going to say, and just to kind of tag off that, it's not about making sure another seat is filled. We have been saying, like, we want everyone to be there that can be there because we believe Jesus is going to intersect their lives and do something. And that's because we all believe and we've all seen that happen with our own lives at Passion and, and Jesus impacted me that way. And so to know that there might be um, a student out there that could miss out on being there uh, is just, we don't want to let that happen. And so we'll come up with any way possible, TikTok and spinning wheels of uh, (laughs) tickets and all that. So we're just trying to come up with all the creative ways we can to get people there so they can experience Jesus, not okay. to fill the seats. Okay, so let's let's shift gears just for one second, because I think if somebody really got on board with us because they said, okay, I want to know how to do a stadium event. So far, you guys haven't told me anything except start small and believe <laughs> in God and work hard. Everything. And so I, I need to know, like, how, okay, you said we, 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 we're going to, we're not going to leave anything on the table. We're oh, going to use it all. That's right. And they want to know, okay, what is on the table? <laughs> what is on the table? <laughs> so let's get practical just for a couple of minutes. Misty, on the tactical side, go yeah. in whatever lane you want to get into. Brad, Shelly, um, what are some of the practical things that we're doing right now or have been doing in the last 20 days to do a stadium event? Misty, you go first, and I'll go. Uh, well, right now, my uh, the first thing that comes to mind is because I've been deep in that is rooming lists because we have thousands and thousands of hotel rooms for between students booking and our team and what we need. That's very practical. But I'll just say, like, I think the thing that I'm constantly looking for is to making sure that between production and programming and our uh, operations team that we're all on the same page and we're all going to end up at the same place because if one is out of sync that'll end up in like just a big mess uh, when we get to the stadium. And I'm constantly looking for, oh, you're saying that, but you're saying that, and that doesn't match up for what we're going to need to do. So today I've had conversations with our host team and our choir and about how lunch is going to be done. And so all these things, I just, that's where I'm at right now and working through all those details. I think for me, helping our team just invite people because we're 16 days away. There's a little bit of space and we've been, 
really grateful for the traction, but we want to keep inviting people to the very last moment. And social media, when you're doing events, is helpful, but it's not going to make the difference for most people. If they've been before, maybe. Um, but just getting FaceTime with people, like you said, with the buy-in, just letting them hear the vision, just giving that little extra push. It's crazy. Even students in our own church need that extra push. And so we have teams of people that have been all over campuses. I think we hit probably 30 campuses in the last 30 days. You and I were at Grand Canyon University, and there was a couple hundred students there, and we were doing the hard work of inviting people. We did some Zoom calls with Tim Tebow, yourself, me. I mean, just FaceTime, letting people hear the vision, inviting them, and doing all that we can so we can be at the bins and go, I gave it my best. Yeah, yesterday we I was on a Zoom call with uh, Auburn leaders, a couple yep. of our great leaders there at a um, couple of churches there. And uh, it's probably 25 of us on the call, some students, yep. a bunch of Auburn students, a few campus ministry leaders, a few church leaders. You were on, Trevor. And um, I went home and I was saying to Shelly, and I said to Anna um, when we got off the, the Zoom, I said, okay, we're hustling. You know, this is hustling. <laughs> This is this is a Zoom call with 25 people because we, Misty, want to invite every yeah. single right. person. This has been a six-month sprint. We're in the middle of global uncertainty. There's still uncertainty in the headlines every single day, and we just don't take anything for granted. And I think when people think, good night, Passion, are you kidding me? You were on a Zoom call with 25 people 16 days before the— Ben's, I think you should have done that you know, a little bit earlier. It's like, no, we are doing everything we can to invite every person we can invite. Well, so most- that, so that God could have an opportunity, like Misty said, to take someone's life, to do something supernatural in their life, and to send them out of the bins to places that only their life will go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They will touch people and be in environments and rooms and settings and jobs that I will never ever get invited to. And they will carry with them something that is supernatural that has happened to them yeah. and through them as they go. And our hope is that the whole world will get to hear the gospel. That's what we are here for is so that people can know that there's a God who loves them, who wants to have a relationship with them, and who wants to spend eternity with them. And if we have the chance to invite somebody in so that they could hear the message for themselves, but then become a carrier of that message to everywhere they go, the whole world could know. Mm -hmm. Yes. The whole world can know. And when the whole world knows, Jesus said he'd love to come back and redeem us all to something that's far more beautiful than what we're currently living in. And I think we just believe in that enough to give it our all. Well, and we have to keep this so that in mind during all the hustling and the Zoom calls. That's right. Because if not, it's going to wear you out and wear you down. But um, the so that, keeping the vision is so important. But at the same time, knowing that it's crazy, Louie. I've talked to so many people that have either been before or they love it so much. We talked to a couple college leaders that are like, man, my life was changed at Passion. And I'm like, well, are you bringing 100 students? Are you bringing 10? And they're like, no, yeah. no. Why and I'm not? Like, You're a college leader. Your life yeah. has changed at Passion. And even they aren't necessarily thinking that we need their help and that we need their voice. And so I think when we're getting down to the specifics, it's all about great organization and then back to buy-in. And trying yeah. the buy-in is a, a continual thing to reinforce. 
Yeah, and it's a new it's a new season all the time. And even coming back from COVID, we realized that I don't know what the percentage is, but a large percentage of guys and ladies that were leading campus ministries mm-hmm. pre-COVID are no longer in those jobs. Yeah, around half. Uh, half of them. So we're calling so and so. Hey, just checking in on you. Oh, they don't work here anymore, and they brought a group to the bins two years ago, and they're not in that job. Half of those people are not there. So it's like, well, who is there? Oh, well. She's here now. It's like, great. Couldn't we talk to her? <laughs> and, starting and you're all starting over all over again. Yeah. And it's like, hi, I'm Louie. And we walked into this thing in Phoenix at Grand Canyon uh, University. And there were 200 students at this Bible study. And we're coming in impromptu, last second, barely made it as they're singing the last worship song. And the leader says, hey, just walk up at the end of the last worship song and <laughs> do whatever you want to do. You know. And we're like, we don't even know if this is going to be a high I'm Louie, and uh, I work for an organization (laughs) called Passion, and we're hosting—we don't know where we are on the spectrum. And we've done that for 20-something years now, uh, over and over and over and over, thousands of times, thousands of times, walking into rooms, luncheons, auditoriums, classrooms, and saying hi, and starting the process all over again, starting a new relationship— all yeah. over again, introducing ourselves all over again. And that's never going to stop as long as we're doing what we're doing because yeah. there's always a new person who knows nothing about what we're doing. I love that. It's. I think we've talked a lot about the invitation to it. I think also spending a lot of our time in these days figuring out what happens when we all get there. Mm-hmm. And I know for for you and I, Louie, and, and Brad and Jonathan and Misty, We've spent a lot of energy on now people are here and what might God have us do as the people are here and who will lead these moments and how will they lead these moments and what will they lead in these moments and what invitation will come through messages and what will the call be for their lives. And these are sacred things. And while we steward the invitation of getting people to the room, we also steward what happens when we get them there. And that's a pretty hefty weight to figure out what we feel like God wants to say to his people through us and how he wants to lead mm-hmm. his people to himself through people who are human. Yeah. And that's miraculous that he would even use us to start with, but we certainly don't want to be a stumbling block. We want to be an invitation in that moment as well. Yeah. The, uh, from my side, the practical and the all the details size, I see that as the most important thing of passion is what is going to be communicated and what students are going to be receiving. So for my team, I'm always like, what we do is to lower the hurdles and the barriers so that everyone can have the easiest right. experience the easiest process to get to passion. So there's no distractions uh, so that they are not frustrated when they get to their seat. I mean, there's going to be 50,000 people, so we can't really remove every single thing. But Yes, Misty, that's your job. <laughs> but uh, even in a call with our hotels in the city yesterday, I was just say I was like casting vision to them and saying, hey, you're an extension of us, and we want our students to come into your hotel and have a really smooth check-in process So because you're actually the first, first thing they'll experience in coming to Passion. And then it's at the gates, and then it's getting to their seats, and it's all these things that set the stage for what they're going to experience when they're there. I think if I could summarize what our team is spending a lot of time doing right now, it's a process of zooming out and then zooming in constantly. So zooming out, what do we feel, how do we feel God's calling us to 
to lay out these sessions so that he can take us on the journey he wants to take us in. Zooming in, when this talk is over and this worship leader comes up, is that going to feel right or do we need to tweak that a little bit? Zooming out, how's the team doing? Does everybody have what they need? Zoom in, what's the best route from the Omni Hotel to the bins to make sure that it's the safest route for students to, to walk? And I think that constant, we can't stay zoomed in because then we'll lose the macro picture, the big picture of what God's calling us to do. We might miss something, but if we uh, if we don't ever zoom out, if we stay zoomed out the whole time, we'll miss the details. And a lot of people come to Passion and they they say, oh, wow, it was so smooth. It was, it was you know, so great. How'd you feed lunch to everybody in 26 minutes? You know, how did that happen? And the answer to that is it's a billion different little tiny details that have been pre-thought about, uh, which ties back into the hard work and the long hours. But um, I think some it's easy to have a big vision and be really compelled by the vision, but if you don't zoom in to get the details right, you might not accomplish your vision. I think that one of the most miraculous things people could say about our team, and they say it often, is it doesn't seem like there's anything you don't care about. Yeah, that's great. And that yeah. is the that's best true. description, I would say, that's of true. the people in this room and the people that we represent, yeah. who is a big team of people past us, is that there's there's not a detail that isn't worth looking at. There isn't a, a thing that isn't worth considering and really praying about, God, help us figure out how to do this the best way. And I think if that's the way you're carrying what you're carrying, then God is going to end up with a good result because of it. No doubt about it. And I think that, um, you know, just there are so many layers to everything, but everything matters. I don't know. I know everything. People say everything can't matter. And I'm like, I don't know. Yes, it can. I think it can. I think everything can Some matter. Some days I wish it didn't all matter, but it <laughs> does to me. <laughs> really quickly, um, and I have one more question after this, but uh, a passion conference moment that is uh, one of the ones that all time for you. Uh, anybody? I go first. I know what Brad's is already, so. It's a lot of <laughs> Um, I would. I. I mean. I'm, I'm sure several people could mention a lot of the same things because we've had some highlights that I think nobody could remove from their mind and heart. But Passion '99, long, long, long time ago, uh, we were in an arena for the first time. You just mentioned we were convention floors for a couple of years. Then we moved to an arena, so we could see and feel people. Um, we were more in a round situation where you could really tell who was there, and even just the way God was impacting them, and not just you. And it felt like a we. It went from sort of like, oh, God's here for me and he's speaking to me to God's speaking to them too. And I'm getting to watch God change their life as well. And I can remember the sense of that, but I can recall specifically Charlie Hall leading us. And Charlie is a good friend. He's a special guy to all of us. He's been a part of our movement from the very beginning. And he was when we were at the bins last time he was there with us, which I love that history. Um but he was leading us in worship, and um, we were basically bent knee down in worship and uh, silent moments and powerful moments, loud moments. But it was some of the holiest moments I've ever experienced in life. And in one of the quiet moments, the, there was a person who started a song up in the top of the arena. I'll never forget where they were sitting. I can see it in my mind as we're speaking and how the whole arena was able to erupt in worship from this person's just quiet, personal worship hmm. um, and how that ignited in us something that when kids got back to their hotel rooms, in those days we stayed in rooms that were atrium-oriented. So the atrium was in the center of the hotel and the rooms were surrounding it. And somebody began to sing in an atrium and the entire hotel full of students were on their balconies 
in the atrium singing together songs of worship. Those are the moments that you think this isn't just that we're leading students towards something, but students are also leading students toward Mm. God themselves. And it was so powerful and so beautiful. And I loved everything about it. It's awesome. I felt pressure to figure out if I'm saying the right story, but um, <laughs> don't I do want to tell one, but I don't have time about when Shelly was calling me, I think in like 2011, oh, desperately trying me to trying to get me to get you back to the office so we could figure out something that broke down. And she called me like five times, like, get Louie back here. And I, I love like, how everyone ignores my calls. <laughs> I've never ignored your calls. Oh, come on, Sheehan. I know never. you have. But, I mean, in 2020, um, it was all a part of the roof opening, but I think... Um, there was also another really quiet, responsive, still moment. Yes. And um, the backstory on that even is in the logistics. We needed a break. We had some resources we wanted to be able to sell, but God was doing something, and we all felt like we just needed to stop. And mm-hmm. Sean had led, Christine had spoken, and there was just a moment at the end that we just said, we're just going to stop. Right. And it was holy for yeah. 10 minutes. And people didn't move. Oh, yeah, you got to tell your part of that. Well, I was up in this security room that I sit in for the entire time, and all of a sudden it was— You sit in a secure room during the entire— (laughs) Security. You secure Misty at all times. Um, It's important. All of a sudden it just got so quiet, and I was like, like, what happened? What's going on? What's wrong? Something's wrong. And I looked down, and it's just quiet, and everyone's moving, and there's no one talking, and I'm like— I didn't hear what was being said from stage. So I couldn't hear all everything that was happening. I just saw this moment and I just knew there was something beautiful. Yeah. And it was just, that was my like outside looking in moment of that. It, mo- it, it was wasn't planned yeah. and God had teed it up and then Carrie and Cody took it from there and they just stepped into the wind. And that's when we got to see the ro- roof open up, which is a whole different story. And it just was like, thank you, Jesus, for that little section. I'll take a practical take on that. Um, Passion 2013, before, uh, six months before, we were trying to decide if we were going to do the event or not, or maybe a year before. And we were all sitting around talking. We realized, hey, there's no way we can load in. There's a football game the night before. Schedules only worked one way. We're not going to be able to have the event unless we can set everything up in 16 hours. And (laughs) (laughs) which for most people, most sane people would be, (laughs) we're not going to have the event. But it kind of came down to, well, okay, well, then we're it's either this or we don't do Passion this year. And we felt like, hey, well, we're supposed to do Passion this year. If this is our only option, let's go for it. And um, hanging more weight that's ever been hung in the building before, coming in after a college football um, bowl game. And Pre-rigging things. Big, yeah, our lighting it. rig was up in the Falcon Stadium. Was, like yeah. three, Beautiful. Three During games. The game. We hung 330,000 pounds yes, in the roof. Yes, we did. Um, but that was what allowed everything that happened at Passion 2013 to happen. It's where um, the end it movement, a lot of it was born there. A lot of things that we've carried so significantly happened in those days at Passion 2013. And if we wouldn't have been able to do that, it was a, it was a great example of we're going to trust God and then we're going to work our tails off yeah. and we're going to see uh, him come through. And that's probably one of my favorites. Love it. There's I think there's there. so many things that – people run into and decide can't be done. But I think what's unique about our team is we're always like, there's there's a way to f- figure out how it can be done. And that's, Jonathan is always finding those ways. So I just think that we're, the reason passion does a lot of things we do is we're 
no is usually not an answer that we're willing we're to take. We're comfortable with. No, it's not our, <laughs> we not say, our first take. We uh, say in our sure. culture around here that we uh, like to turn no's into yeses. And sometimes you cannot turn a no into a yes. It just, you get down to the point and it's like, it's a no. And everyone in this circle will accept a no yeah. when it's really a no. Like we run down 21 different scenarios and it's still a no. We pulled every, you know, idea we could. It's still a no. But normally people will take the no too soon. How do you know the yeah. difference, Jonathan? Um, well, no for most people is code for um, is, is a, it's a code word code word for uh, I'm not trying hard enough. Um, I need a break. Or um, for a lot of people, I think it's actually I don't believe in what I'm trying to get happen enough that I'm committed to it all the way through. Wow. Because if you're committed to the vision, then you can't take no for an answer. Um, for the most part, I mean, sometimes you get to the very very bottom of it and you're like, okay, there's nothing else left. But again, if you've done every single thing and tried every single route and thought, hey, I'm going to be humble and ask people for help. I'm going to try to approach things in different ways. I'm going to try to connect things that are normally unconnected. If you've, if you've done that and you get to the bottom, maybe no's a no. And that's okay. But at least you, again, haven't left anything on the table. You've done every possible um, thing to, to try to make it happen. That's I and mean, that's right. where you see some of those miracles yeah. that we're talking about that yeah. let you know that you're with God. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to the bins. There were so many no's. I mean, it was just like a Mount Everest of no's. Uh, we're trying to light a flame in a cave outside Jerusalem and fly it <laughs> while it remains lit. Have to a parade. Atlanta. <laughs> have don't it, leave out that parade because there's a lot have of work. Have a parade. Have, it, always have it marched from our location where we're sitting right now. At night during the first session. <laughs> to the bins, come into the building and still be lighted. And so we needed someone to figure out how to put an open flame on a plane and fly it halfway around the world. So that was a no. Then there was a thousand no's in that. Oh, yeah. All the way. No open flame in the bends. And then, uh, no, yep. can't do that. Then we were going to try to shoot fireworks off the roof because it was New Year's Eve. And that was a no. That was a thousand no's. And we were going to try to get the roof open. And <laughs> that wasn't going to work because of the temperature differential. And that was a no. And a lot of those things actually ended up happening and being the memory makers. You know, it wasn't like God wouldn't have moved without them, but they they were memory-making moments that people will never forget. And, and for all of us who were able to see those no's turn into yeses, that we were having our own miracle moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I can remember standing <clears throat> next to you guys in the bins as the roof was opening after we've been through all of what we had been through to get to the point where that was even a possibility. And then watching God take the significance of the timing of the moment, yeah, the yeah. way he used the moment, the way he changed the worship leaders' moments who were leading in that moment, they'll never be the same. And it wasn't that we made that happen. We really actually couldn't make that happen, but we could keep persevering we had until we could to see keep that going. God could make yeah. that a possibility. Yeah. And obviously he uses a lot of people to make that happen, but man... 
the the payoff of the perseverance of watching it <laughs> mm-hmm. is our own miracle. And what are you going to do except stand there in awe of God who you know did that? Yeah. It wasn't us. It was him. And- it would have been so great, though, if he had said, that it's not going to happen in the session that y'all are planning. <laughs> it would have been nice <laughs> to know. Just, and there's yeah, another session because I'm going to need to get this guy in right. Michigan who knows how to get it unstuck to go to his house and log into his computer and unstick yep. the roof. Um, in the middle of this <laughs> session, instead, we're like over here trying to get it to work in this session. So that's back to that. God knows and we don't. But I love the journey. And, you know, I, I don't know. I have a million favorite moments, but you're reminding me one of, of them, Shelly, um, is with you and me sitting at dinner with the pilots when they landed in Jerusalem. Yeah. What Do you remember what day in December that was, roughly? Was it around today-ish? It would have yeah, been a about the few 17th. days before wow. today, yeah, around the 12th, 13th. So it's about there, this yeah. mid-December. We're... 16 days away from the bends the first time. And the plane that's going to carry this flame has been flown by some friends of ours and they land in Jerusalem and we- Which go, was a miracle. Well, so like, we go to dinner and I'm, I, I don't know if the pilots are going to hear this or not, but there's one of them who I don't know, maybe his story with Jesus is super strong or maybe he's had some faith in his story. I don't know. But he is at the table like preaching hmm. this guy. And he is looking across the table at me going, Louie, this is a miracle. No, you don't understand. This is a miracle of God. Louie, what you're doing is a miracle. God is in this. This is God. I, I've never seen anything happen like this before. You can be kind. And I'm just sitting there going, it's, it is a miracle. It's one of the many miracles we've yeah. seen mm-hmm. in the last six months. But right. he was so blown away this person who maybe didn't have faith front and center in his life, but he literally watched God do a miracle, getting that plane on the ground in Israel and the way it all had happened and all the things that had to take place. And then they had to go through that whole another set of miracles to get the plane off the ground (laughs) when they left. And so all along the way, every one of those no's turning into a yes was us going, wow, without God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be moving like this at all. Yeah. Can I give my uh, my moments that I remember? I absolutely. Brad's um, still got his to go. Yeah. So you can, you can keep thinking. <laughs> the second time. I'm going to jump through history, and I've got three things that came to mind. Uh, for me, the Passion 05 was the first time I served, and it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like passion. And it's I know when God stirred my heart for what I do now. I, there's a specific wow. moment I could tell you about it. I remember it so clearly. So Passion 05. And then two moments for Passion 2020 are the ones that come to mind today. Um, not programmatically c- connected at all. We were not sure that the number of people that we needed to get into the stadium were going to be able to get in through the four gates in the allotted time. And so we just kind of we planned it. We, we worked through every detail we could to make sure that we had thought about everything. And then it was just like, well, now they're all lined up and it's time to open the door, so we're going to see what's going to happen. And it worked. And I think I will. our team was just like high-fiving and just couldn't believe that it actually worked because we just that was going to be the start to that gathering. And it had to work, but we weren't sure if it was going to work. And um, Can't actually rehearse yeah, tens of thousands can't. of people going in and out of something. Nope. <laughs> and so that's a very like practical, non-in-the-room like, type of thing that I just saw God come through on. And then... Uh, at the same 
that same night for New Year's Eve, um, for me, I'm not always in the room. I don't even get to see a lot. One time I found out that we let someone down through the roof like a week after passion actually happened. So, um, so I don't always know what's going on, but that's okay because I don't need to know. I just trust what's going on in that room and, and um, because I'm doing other things. But I make sure that I'm always in there at some point to watch the students worship and to experience what is happening. And to, um, New Year's Eve 2020 was a moment or moments I'll never forget. It was such a powerful, just Hillsong leading and the way all the production and programmatically and the fireworks going off, like all that together was just like every sense was like God was there in every way. So that, those are my things that come to mind today. I'm surprised you didn't say late night tickets. <clears throat> I'm, I'm surprised gonna... she speaks to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still, <laughs> that's like, actually when Shelly was calling don't worry, me I got to get you, Louie back. Late night okay. tickets is a great example of why teams need to communicate, and now we have cross communication. <laughs> felt that like. In case you were curious, we don't do everything perfectly, and we do have things that rarely um, explode sometimes. <laughs> I was thinking about being in Uganda, Brad. I know it's a big highlight for you too. But when we were on the world tour in '08, um, each city was praying mm. for the city. Yeah. That to come. So their wristband would have said Kampala on the outside, but then we told them at the very end, um, if you turn over your wristband, there's a name of another city, and it said Paris, and we asked them to wear the wristband until that event happened. Yeah. Sometimes that was the next day. Sometimes it was the next month. And then we had each city give for the next city because this was a, I don't know what, $7 million journey around the world, and we didn't have any money. And so we were just trusting God the whole way. And so students were giving in this city and praying for the city to come. And Kampala was um, probably the most financially challenged city that we were in on the tour. And we were heading to Paris, which obviously maybe was one of, if not the most financially blessed city that we were going to. And Kampala was a huge event, like twenty-five or 30,000 yep. uh, college students at McCary University on the athletic field there. And in Paris, it was going to be the smallest event. Maybe we were going to hoping for fifteen hundred or yeah. Uh, I think we were hoping for a thousand. Got twelve hundred thousand college students at this theater somewhere near Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, and I just remember the night that um the second and the last night in Kampala, coming into that session, and we were about to pray for Paris, and um, the students had gone somewhere during the day and gotten poster boards and made, you know, the, the letters to Paris. And um, with their accent, you know, this parties, 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 and all 30,000 of them just chanting and believing and praying. And they gave this offering, um, which was very sacrificial for them to say, we're with you and we're praying for the students of Paris. And that memory is just seared, you know, in my heart. And it's really what we're going for today is just one generation telling the next generation yeah. about the glory of God, one generation cheering on the next generation. All of us are definitely not in 18 to 25-year-old <laughs> age range, but just want to cheer on this generation, want to serve them open the door wide for them to see Jesus like they've never seen him before, right. knowing that if they get a glimpse of Jesus, that everything about their lives will 
will align to his heartbeat for the yeah. nations and for his glory. And so that's why we're still in it. And someone said the other day, the event business is a really terrible business. It's <laughs> like, no kidding. Uh, do not get in the event business if you want to be in business. It is an investment, especially if on the other end of your gatherings are 18 to 25-year-olds and you're trying to do things as um, as affordable as possible. But man, it is a great business to be in if you want to be in the history-making business. And um, we're praying that's going to happen again. We're wrapping up. Uh, we're out of time. What's one thing you want every student walking in the door to the bins to know, Brad, before they come through that door, other than the fact that it's a clear bag? Yeah, you definitely, uh, like Miss Sue like us to say, bring a clear bag. Um, <laughs> no backpacks, no I, suitcases, to no truly, <laughs> To truly believe God has something for them. Right. Not just for us, but for them. Great. Jonathan? Yeah, the Benz is going to be amazing, but the Benz is not really about the Benz. It's about what happens after the Benz. Wow. Misty? Uh, if you've been to Passion before, it's not the same. It's always different. And if you've been before and that's why you're not coming, there's God has something new for you this time. And so we might have been there once, but God's doing something new. And he's, I'll echo Brad, he's got something for you. Yeah, I would just echo that and say um, it's so beautiful to watch God work corporately and individually and that he is profound at it. And there'll be moments when you're arrested by the group that you're in. There'll be moments that you're arrested by the size of the crowd that you're standing with. You'll be There'll be moments where you think, I was the only person on my campus who actually believed this until you met the guy who happened to be sitting two sections over who also is from your campus. It is astounding to watch God move in a congregation, but he never forsakes one for the other. He's always actually looking directly at you, and he's thinking about your life and the significance of your life and obedience and yes to him. And he's really, really fired up about seeing you in that place so that he can speak to you directly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I just want everybody walking through the door to know that the scope of it is part of it. You know, people say, why do you guys do stadium events? It's like, have you ever been in a stadium where everyone in that stadium was echoing the name of Jesus? Well, if you haven't, there's nothing like it. Um, mm -hmm. And so you're going to be blown away and yep. stunned because, you, yeah, I went to the football game at my school and there was that many people in the stadium, I know. But it's different when the Holy Spirit is moving in all those people for one name. And... um the name of Jesus. And then, but secondly, I think it's important for everybody to know before you come through the door that God already knows what seat you're going to sit in. And so, in this big stadium, um, you're not going to be alone. Um, you're going to be in a seat that's already prayed over. Right. And you're going to be ushered there by the king who already knows what section you'll be in, what row you'll be in, what seat you'll be in, what session you'll be in what he's going to say to you and how he's going to unfold his love and his purpose for your life. Wow, I'm excited. Me too. Can't wait. I'm oh. ready. 16 days. Let's, let's go. go. Hey, it's not too late to invite someone to the bins. Yeah, come um, on. There's still time. And in this uh, climate that we're in right now, everybody's making last-minute plans all the time. So bring extend an invitation. Bring somebody with you. There's yes. a discount code on the website. 
um, passion2022.com. You can go there, and if you just look down anywhere on there, there's a code called um, GATHER. Gather, And that gets you a discounted price. Their scholarships are still available. Um, you can still give a scholarship. Um, but wow, 16 days, and we'll be standing in the middle of a miracle Thanks for joining us on uh, this edition. It seems like the right edition of the Passion and Purpose podcast, season 1.5, is coming to a close, ladies and gentlemen. We're out, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the bins. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Passion and Purpose podcast. So great having you on this journey with us as we see season 1.5 come to a close. We're just days away from a miracle. And I look forward to seeing all of you in the bins. Mm-hmm.